Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. The goal of religious thinking is exactly the same as that of technological research, namely, practical action. Welcome to Religious Routine, the 213th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 20th century philosopher René Girard. You may call me Ode. Merry meet. My name is Gwyn. Happy day after Christmas. My name is Jackson, Ode's brother. So this is going to be a less structured episode, I guess. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're going to be talking about like what we all thought are religious practices or witchy practices, what our pagan paths, what we thought they would look like, what they actually look like, and what we want them to look like. We do this from time to time. Yeah, like a a check-in on on how we're operating. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess we start with housekeeping. Do we have any housekeeping? I don't think so. I mean, we're getting close to the end of December. This is our last episode for 2022. Yes, it is. We're going into 2023. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See it, 2022. You You sucked. You fucking sucked. You bitch. Get out my house, 2022. (laughs) 2022 was supposed to be, you know, nicer. I'm, I'm not. I'm no longer having hopes for years. So we are house kept and house swept. Beautiful. What did we all, I guess, think our paths would look like when we started? Now, how far back we talking? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> You've got much farther back to go than, than Jackson and I do because you started so much earlier than us. I, I, I started in the way back, way back. Okay, so do I had a to, I tell, had a Christian retrograde. To, tell me both starting points. Like, what did you think it would look like when you first started, and what did you think you it would look like when you came back? Oh, that's really such a good question. When I first started, way back in the way back, mm-hmm. I was obviously really, I was really dialed in and really, like, I'm so connected to the goddess. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have this direct pipeline every single day. I'm going to be doing witchy stuff, you know, I'm going to be casting spells, you Mm -hmm. know, and I hadn't even been a witch for a month. (laughs) Just that kind of stuff. I was very excited. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't think I really thought, what does this look like as a spiritual practice? Mm -hmm. On like a day-to-day basis. On on a day-to-day basis, other than freedom. Mm -hmm. It really felt like freedom. But what I ended up doing was really diving into Cunningham's book on being a solitary Because I knew I wasn't going to be going to find a coven Mm -hmm. at that time. But the other thing is, I think I had expectations that were really, really high. Like, I thought it was going to be this badass witch Mm -hmm. right away. And luckily, I joined an internet group. It was, you know, like a message board Mm -hmm. at the time. Because this was, we're talking over 20 years ago now. AOL days. Yeah, this was AOL days. But we all kind of brought each other down to earth. (laughs) You know? Uh Uh-huh. You helped each other set expectations. Yeah, we helped each other set expectations. Because we started off with this big message board, which all kinds of people, all different paths, Mm -hmm. well, all different steps on their path. Mm -hmm. And the elders were all like, calm down, chillins. You know, just calm down. And uh, Everybody take a breath. Not at, like, the first (laughs) bit of... I think the first bit of advice that I got that I really grabbed onto was not every bird is a sign. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Not every bird is a portent. Breathe and take your time and really get to know what your path looks like to you. So I really think I had this high expectation of just insta-witch. And yes, probably informed by what I'd read mm-hmm. as, uh, in media, what I'd seen on TV and mm-hmm. movies and that whole vibe that you get from watching these magical movies. And then 
coming into reality of, okay, what does this practice look like? And it really became a daily, like, okay, I'm going to sit and I'm going to sit here and meditate mm -hmm. for half an hour. I'm going to gaze at this candle <laughs> for half an hour. I'm going to do my practice. I'm going to do my practice. And I think then I was much more tuned into that. Mm -hmm into what did it actually look like. So then when you came back to witchcraft mm -hmm. after your Christian retrograde, mm -hmm. at that point, what did you think your practice would look like? Again, freedom. But I don't know, I was much, I felt much more relaxed about it. You didn't set your, your sights quite as high? I didn't set my sights quite as high. Yes, I knew I was going to be meditating, but I also wasn't gonna be working with deity when I started out. That's like, true. Like when I started out as a witch initially, back in the way back. I was very connected to goddess. I had visions during meditation with uh, both Brigid and Artemis. Mm -hmm. So I was very connected. So I was very focused on that sort of on that devotional deity goddess worship kind of thing. In uh, 2016, it was much more, I'm just going to be settling into my witchcraft. Finding that power within again, I think is, is what that expectation was without mm -hmm. reaching out to deity. Right. Acknowledging that they were there. But, but not like making them a priority. If yeah, practice. not making them a priority. Really focusing in more on what does my witchcraft look like to me now. Mm -hmm. And knowing that I still remembered a lot. Right. That I never really let go. Because you were, it was like riding a bicycle. Yeah. yeah. I never really lost or let go of what I had learned previously. Right. So it was just a matter of sort of getting back on the horse for you. Yeah. I think I had a bit of a weird perception of, of what things would look like for me. But, like, I was coming at it from a couple different angles. Around the time I was getting into, I think it was Wicca at the time, it was more of an act of rebellion than anything. <laughs> that was during the retrograde. That was during the retrograde, yeah. That was during, that the, was retrograde. during the retrograde. And I very vaguely remembered you doing some sort of, like, meditations in the garden. And I would used to go into your room and, like, look at your crystals and stuff. Mm -hmm. But so when I was in college, I met some Gardenarian Wiccans. Mm. And they were very good friends of mine. I had a couple other types of practitioners. I think I had someone who did angel magic, someone who did fairy magic, mm -hmm. but like the gardenarians were my, my best friends. And they were like, Are you, if you're interested about this, you know, we'll, we'll kind of lead you in and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And like pretty quickly, I found out that that wasn't for me, Wicca particularly, mm -hmm. but I still stayed in it because they were my support structure at the time. So you were like outer court? I don't know what that means. <laughs> so Gardnerian Wicca has like a really hierarchical structure. Yeah. If you're not officially indoctrinated in the into the coven, you're in part of, the, but you're like invited to some of the events and stuff, you're considered to be part of the outer court. I would assume that that would be correct then, yes. Okay. My, my friends were not particularly uh, stringent Gardnerians, okay. but um, that was who they tended to follow when they did stuff. When I got into an argument with you and dad, right. my friends were there with me and they came over and they were like, do you want us to stage a really scary looking ritual <laughs> <laughs> for them to walk in on? <laughs> like maybe some sex magic, maybe some other, we'll, do, we'll work it out can if that's some, what you want. Uh, can, can, can get some goat's blood or something. <laughs> oh, that retrograde. So, so like that was something that I stuck with for far longer because my support system was very embroiled in it. Right. Mm -hmm. 
after I, I... So you were like a social Wiccan. Yes. So <laughs> after I moved on from them, I honestly just didn't look at anything for quite some time. I just mm. went, eh, religion, I'm too busy with school. Mm-hmm. Picked it back up a couple years later and again, got myself into a, like a pseudo coven, I would say, but everybody was in different traditions. Interesting. So it was like, <sighs> we had someone who did Egyptian, someone who did Celtic, someone who did Norse, and then me, who I was like, oh, I do something. <laughs> Do whatever. I do stuff. I do do whatever. Uh, So at the time, I was very, I'd call it communication with nature based Mm -hmm. because I had a really sort of spiritual experience back with my my Wiccan friends. Mm -hmm. Someone taught me how to call down the wind. Oh, yeah. And that was a stunning experience. Mm -hmm. So I, even when I wasn't doing Wicca or witchcraft in any sort of meaningful way, I was still taking those like lessons that I had learned Mm -hmm. into my everyday. Mm -hmm. If I lost my phone in the woods and I asked the woods to lead me to my phone and it worked. So there was that spiritual aspect that kind of followed me around. But so I had I was in this partial coven. And again, it was not for me. Um, I don't do well in covens. I find them sort of restricting. Mm -hmm. Plus a bunch of different personalities that you're all stuck with. You're all just in the coven because you're the only pagans you know in the area. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was because basically you like it. each other necessarily. Yeah. So it was this interesting, like, I had this these two things pulling me, which was the, like, Instagram, Pinterest, everything should look beautiful and perfect and all these crazy rituals and let's go out into the woods at night and build an illegal bonfire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Our thought was, if the frat could have an illegal bonfire, right. we could have an illegal bonfire. <laughs> Why fair. the fuck not? That's fuck fair. It. That's fair. <laughs> um, but <laughs> these multiple things pulling me in what I should be looking like. And mm-hmm. so once again, after I moved on from those people, I dropped it and said, I, I don't know what to do. I can't. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And then a couple years later, I got back into it again, tangentially, just a little bit, a little bit of spiritual stuff here and there. This was when three pack was just starting. Okay. And I was very much, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't figure out my path until I was talking through, trying to figure out what path I was on. And you two were like, oh, you don't have to pick one. You've been doing it for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and yeah. I was like, oh, oh, okay. And things have just sort of developed from there. So I had kind of a on again, off again, trying to figure out where the fuck I'm going. I think a lot of people experience that. Mm -hmm. I was constantly stopping and starting because I still had a lot of, had over 30 years of Mm -hmm. Christian guilt. But you were talking about comparing yourself to Instagram, which a lot of people have issues with Mm -hmm. today. Back in the way back, Mm -hmm. it was witchy auctions. I spent oh, like on eBay? Yeah. Well, no, it was a witch auction. Like, Oh, that's right. There was a whole site a for whole that. A whole site for that. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Forget eBay. There this used was... to be that, and there used to be Witchvox. Which yes. Was, um, like Witchvox a... was amazing. It, it was a witch's community. Yeah. I website. started way past that. Witchvox died like a decade ago now. No, it was, a, it was an actual auction site where you could buy all this stuff, and you'd see all these things going, oh, well, I have to have this. Well, I have to right. have that. To make my altar look nice, I have, you know... And so that was still a struggle back then. Mm-hmm. Part of what threw me off on all of that was everything that I was finding online said you have to do these things to be a witch, but I didn't have the money to do those. Right. My friends and I would go and the three of us would chip in on a singular book that we would then share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was broke as all hell. I had a handful of crystals. Half of them were gifts. It was this really interesting, like, how do I do this? when I don't have the, like, the means to do it. Mm-hmm. And eventually I came to the realization that, like, the the trappings are just trappings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really all you need is, is you to at least do the basics. 
to do a little bit of everything, honestly. Yep. And that's kind of what led me to hedge witchery, because it's really, I think even in like the Wikipedia entry for hedge witchery, it's like, oh, it's very practical. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, practicality is key for me. They are, they are <laughs> practical people. Practical witches. <laughs> I actually didn't do the starting and stopping and starting and stopping thing with my path so much because I was a really devout Christian as a kid, mm -hmm. rededicated myself like six or seven times because I would always get swept up in the like mob mentality of a mm -hmm. sermon. Sometimes more than me and I was pretty damn. Uh -huh. I was, I believed enough mm -hmm. that when I stopped believing or when I stopped wanting to be part of it, I still believed enough to be like, oh, I should formally separate myself from God so I don't offend him. And I mean, I, I do still believe that that God exists. I believe all the gods exist. So like I, I always had a belief in something. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, it was Christianity because that was what I grew up with. Yep. And I was really dedicated to that. As a, pretty much as a teenager, I dropped it because it stopped aligning with my values, with my sort of evolving values as a teenager, which is what happens with a lot of people, I think. Mm -hmm. um, as teenagers, you're starting to sort of Break identify yeah. who you are as a person. Well, and Break also, away from what your parents are mm -hmm. teaching you. As you get older, the stuff they teach you in Christianity exactly. evolves. changes. It yeah. evolves. They teach you the more subtle, the more friendly stuff. Yeah. Easier to absorb. Oh, yeah. They teach you the easy to absorb stuff when you're a child, mm -hmm. and then as you get older more and more confrontational. Yeah. Um, and so I just reached a point pretty early in my teens where mm -hmm. it, it just didn't align with, with what I believed or wanted in life. And so I just formally broke with Christianity. And I didn't replace it with anything because I didn't know what my options were, quite frankly, at that stage. Mm -hmm. I knew mom had been a witch for a little bit and I had been obsessed with that for oh. a while. I had been in that group uh -huh. that said, you don't teach children, uh -huh. which was stupid. I should, if I just should have fucking taught you. When I first learned you were doing witchcraft, I was obsessed with that. Oh, I know. I, w I was like, oh, I want to be involved in that so badly. I, and I should have. I should have involved you. <laughs> I think because I'm a couple of years younger, I only ever really caught you on the downswing. Yeah, when you were younger, I think you didn't notice as much what was actually going on. No, because I was like um, nine. <laughs> yeah, and I was a few years older, and mm -hmm. so I was... I guess paying more attention to that kind of stuff and, and especially yeah. because I was questioning my own religious convictions at that point and so I was just like, yeah. I got really interested in witchcraft but I didn't actually like pursue it. Yeah. I think I got a one tarot deck at one point and I read a bunch of your books illegally yes. behind your back. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Like I said, if I could redo things from then, there are so many things I would do differently. Yeah. But even with that, like, relatively limited exposure to, to mm -hmm. witchcraft as an option, like, when I left Christianity, I still didn't really know, like, what I should replace it with. So I just didn't right. replace it with anything. Right. I remember that. I just spent a long time, the majority of my adolescence and most of my early adult life, just not doing religion because I didn't want to, I guess because I had been so devout as a kid, I wanted, if I was going to pick up another religion, I wanted to be that level of devoted to it. I wanted it to be a significant force in my life. I didn't want to like half-ass it. Right. I didn't want to be a Christmas and Easter adherent of anything. Right. Because you got a lot of those. Exactly. And I had never, I had never wanted to be that kind of Christian. Even looking at what my other options were for, for other religions, like I explore, I was like, okay, well, what are the big ones? Mm -hmm. 
there's there's Judaism, there's Islam, there's Buddhism, there's, you know, and so mm-hmm. I, I looked through the big ones and I they didn't really vibe with me. I just didn't feel connected to them. Like I said, I didn't want to do any casual religious observance. So I just didn't do anything for a long, long time. And so I guess at that point I was, I was sort of describing myself as agnostic, which wasn't necessarily like accurate because technically agnosticism is like an acknowledgement that you don't know and can't know. Right. Religious truth. And like, I did still have that like core devotional base Mm -hmm. to myself. I just wasn't pointing it at anything. Right. But the only word I knew to describe where I was at was agnostic. Because atheist didn't really fit. Exactly. There's really not a good word for like, for that stage. Yeah. For like having a base of religious devotion, but not pointing it at anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you want to use spiritual, but not religious. Exactly. I, I did which, adopt that for a long which time. Which I had, I, I used that occasionally, but mm-hmm. that again felt disingenuous to me because mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't have a spiritual practice either. Right. I just didn't have a practice. Yeah. I believed something was out there, but I just hadn't decided what was for me. So I, I guess that it was in my mid twenties that I decided I wanted to like settle down and figure out what my religious perspective was going to be. Mm. Like I wanted to settle the question, at least for myself. And I had done some more research into fringier religions. Cause like I said, I had looked at all the major ones and right. none of them really vibed with me. I went back to researching witchcraft cause mm-hmm. that had been something I'd been exposed to through Gwyn and Gwyn was, had written some more books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I did that a little bit and that sort of felt adjacent to the right direction, mm-hmm. but still not quite, because there wasn't that devotional relationship quality. You didn't I, want to be Wiccan. Exactly. Wicca, I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to be- Wicca didn't fit. Wicca didn't fit for me. It's, there was too many binaries. Right. Um, even at that point, I like wasn't identifying as non-binary, but I knew I didn't want to have like a, a dualistic of... god and goddess thing. But I wanted something, like I didn't want to just be a non-devotional witch because I had been really devout as a kid and that was sort mm-hmm. of what I wanted out of religion. I wanted mm-hmm. something I could be devoted to. Right. So I kept looking and I explored a couple of different ones. I thought about being a comedic for a while because I had a comedic friend. I looked at Celtic stuff for a while because my last part- name is McGuire. Yep, some heritage there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I looked at heathenry mm-hmm. and I discounted heathenry for a very, very long time because there's this huge Nazi element right. in heathenry. And right. I didn't want to be associated with that because I had German and Scandinavian heritage. And I was like, those people will say I belong here because and I have the genetic history. And you don't want it to be about that. Exactly. And I was like, if, I, if I'm, I don't want that to be my connection to of religion. I don't want to be like, oh, this is where you belong by your blood because Mm -hmm. that's bullshit and I don't believe that. And so I like, I I went in the opposite direction of heathenry for a long time. I like Mm -hmm. religiously avoided heathenry, but it was the one I kept cycling back to because it was the stories I'd been most interested in as a child. Mm -hmm. And it was the stuff that resonated with me most now. And it had this stable of gods that I could connect to who were all really interesting um, and really compelling people and who had fascinating, beautiful stories that taught me interesting things. And finally, my comedic friend sat me down with the, with that list, Mm -hmm. that checklist I've talked about before of what to look for when you're looking for a religion, which is, Mm -hmm. does it make you a better person? Does it make you happy? Do you find it beautiful? And heathenry checked all all three of those boxes. And so I was like, all right, well, Well, scientifically (laughs) verified. 
And it just so happens that you have Scandinavian and German history, exactly. and it's, your ancestry. And but that's not the reason you are practicing. Exactly. It's, it's what pointed you in the direction because yeah. it gave you a place to look. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a shame that because of that, that Nazi vibe, purist vibe that is in there. The folkish. The folkish attitudes. I'm very proud that I have German and Scandinavian, mm-hmm. you know, heritage. I, I think it's sad that that is taken from you as a heathen. Yeah, it's that, really that pride. In, hey, I this these are my these are the deities these of, are, my, of my ancestors. Yeah, of my, you know, of my actual lineage. Yeah, it's hard for me to take pride in that, and it's something I still like struggle with today. Yeah, same is making peace with like. Like I have documentation of the of the immigration records from yeah. Norway and Denmark. Like yeah. I know exactly where where they came from. They came from, and that further back in that line, this was these were the gods they worshipped. Yep. And like I have that connection, and that's really cool. But it's also really uncomfortable because that's that's the kind of thing that could get me easily accepted into and you don't want to a be. really shitty organization yep yep that I want no part of so it just sucks so that's something I'm always navigating and I'm still mm-hmm. navigating today so because I was really devoted as a kid and because I put off finding a new religion until I was like sure I could dedicate enough time and energy to it you're very much an all or nothing kind of person pretty much yeah <laughs> um this Gwyn tells a story about when I was a kid um, oh god yes. I didn't try to uh, so babies are supposed to like learn how to roll over by like thrashing around a lot apparently i made one attempt couldn't do it didn't try again for like a month and then the next time i tried was like sufficiently grown that i could flip over on the first shot you know how babies have tummy time and all that kind of stuff and and they're try to encourage Uh no this did not work with this one i was like if i can't do it the first time i'm not i'm not not gonna doing it (laughs) that is exactly and that's been your attitude ever since Uh uh-huh pretty much so when i started heathenry i jumped like straight into the deep end Mm. and was like all right What's all the deep esoteric lore? What's all that? How do I connect to those gods like Pronto? Get that that immediate connection going. Do I need to learn Old Norse? What's my list of homework to do to be fully engaged with this religion? And so I went really, really hardcore about it for two or three years yeah. before I acquired some chill. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can understand that because I, I feel like I... Even though it was lim- I had limited ability to do that mm-hmm. because of the situation I was in. Mm-hmm. There was a while there where I spent probably three or four hours every day meditating, mm-hmm. reading foundational texts, doing research, and practicing magic and, and ritual mm-hmm. in a heathen context. But that's made you really solid in your understanding right. I, I of that, heathenry. That that was too intense to maintain long sure. term. Absolutely. For sure. For sure it was too intense to maintain long term. And even at that point, I was like, mm, I'm not doing enough. I wish I could do like a retreat where I just focus on this twenty four <laughs> hours a day. But so but it was it was way too intense to maintain with the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But it did definitely give me because I because I put that time in early on, mm-hmm. it definitely gave me, yeah, a really strong foundation where I don't have to put in that much work anymore every day. Yeah. Because I've already I've established relationships. 
I've established practices. I know what I'm doing. I know mm-hmm. where to find the information I'm looking for. And that's kind of how I felt when I came back to witchcraft. Those foundations were always there. Mm-hmm. They they had never gone away. Having that foundation has made it a lot easier for me to have a, a daily practice that is less rigorous. A little more chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, the, the, the man who understands chill. <laughs> yes. Is Jackson. Jackson, talk about what your practice looks like day to day. Okay, so... From the outside, day to day, it probably looks like I'm not doing fucking anything. (laughs) So I have some altars set up, and occasionally I leave out offerings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if it's a red-letter day, I end up doing a spell jar Mm -hmm. uh, or something like that. Where a lot of this, for me, falls in is the sort of... I have incorporated my practice and my deities into my everyday life Mm -hmm. in such a way that, like, when I draw or do a craft... It's dedicated to one of my deities. When I cook, I'm doing spell work to try to bring people Mm -hmm. something, joy, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I've done for a long, long time before I even realized what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I'm a very intuitive intuitive Mm -hmm. magical practitioner. Half the time, I don't know why I'm doing a thing. It's all vibes with Jackson. All vibes. Top to bottom, vibes, vibes. Yep. So, like, I'll just get a random urge to to create a thing or do something that I wouldn't normally do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, all right, sounds legitimate. As long as I can make it happen, I'll I'll do it. Mm -hmm. For, like, basically everybody but me, it probably looks like I'm just tootling around my (laughs) day-to-day. Their only real, like, I suppose more dramatic seeming is when you go on a hedge ride, which is like a, an alternate state of consciousness mm-hmm. that you go into mm-hmm. and kind of, it's difficult to describe if you don't do it, but... It's an astral experience. Yeah. yeah. So it probably just looks like meditation or mm-hmm. napping, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting thing where for a long time I struggled with that because I thought that it should be outwardly noticeable mm-hmm. that I was doing magic. It should be presentational. Yeah. And then it, it came to the conclusion that like, oh, no, it doesn't need, like, as long as it works for me mm-hmm. and it works for the deities that I'm working with. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? I actually, uh, occasionally I'll be like putting out a sort of an offering of whatever meeting or whatever. And I'll be like, I'll get back to it later, guys. You all know me by this point. You know how it goes. I feel like I'm kind of a weird mixture of intuitive and ritual Mm -hmm. these days. Honestly, and this is just a me thing, I find ceremonial style rituals Mm -hmm. vastly uncomfortable in the same way that I find like Catholic mass uncomfortable. That's fair. I feel like I can't get myself into the vibe and I can't, like I don't, everybody's doing a thing. And everybody else is supposed to be doing the same thing. But fuck if I know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's this, like, occasionally I, I take part in small family rituals. Mm-hmm. But, like, when I get into the broader sense, the one thing I will always vibe with is drum circles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, that's sort of, like, uh, back when I lived in California, I used to go to ecstatic dances. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love ecstatic uh, dances. So, like, that sort of just everybody's feeling their feels and doing their magic, but mm-hmm. it's a, it's less of a, it's more of a communal thing than like a together ritual. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I am the exact opposite. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. no. So I've been to events where there are ecstatic dances or drum circles or those kinds of like spontaneous mm-hmm. rituals mm-hmm. happening and I cannot like get out of my head enough to, See, to interact with them. I yeah, can't. I need something much more structured. I find ceremonial rituals and even things like Catholic Mass really beautiful and the structure helps me 
like get into the right space. And again, I I'm a little of, mixed. I'm right yeah. down the center of that. I can, I, I appreciate and love both. Uh-huh. I have done the ecstatic <laughs> dance and have been totally vibing with it. I just but can't. I also find beauty in mm-hmm. ritual. I love to observe rituals. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when we were at Michigan Pagan Pride and then they did that boat burning. Oh God, yeah. That, that was, was deeply moving. Yeah, I, I loved got to, to, be part to of that. see it and it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But like if I had taken part of that, I would have been like hysterically breaking down my every interaction. See, I find I find the <laughs> that the structure of a ritual mm-hmm. and that it has specific roles and performances lets me let go of that social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Whereas a spontaneous ritual where I'm supposed to just like feel my feels or whatever, I'm so anxious about how I'm being perceived right. that I can't do it. Uh, one, I love the fact that we are siblings in vastly diametrically opposite so anxiety responses. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what's what's interesting is, yeah, for for I do occasionally when I'm starting that kind of spontaneous thing, especially mm-hmm. in ecstatic dances, it took me a couple of tries to get into it mm-hmm. because I felt very self conscious, mm-hmm. and then I just reached this headspace. Mm-hmm. where everything else kind of melts away. And, like, I know I'm around other people and I can feel their energy, but it doesn't matter. I could be in a room alone and doing the exact same thing. I might be able to do that. I now know if I took a CBD edible beforehand. <laughs> yep. But that would be the only oh way God. you could get me out of my head enough to do it. But, like, when you have the really structured <laughs> ceremony, I get paranoid. Mm-hmm. That and like that I get you're going to so, do something wrong? I get not even just that. I get so in my own head that I don't hear what anybody is saying. Mm. You also have to keep in mind the fact that I don't hear well. Yeah, that's so, true. So, like, that's there's true. a whole bunch of things that I'm only hearing about a half of. So you might miss some of the cues. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you ever took theater. I took theater and performing arts in high school. I think that really influenced why I'm so comfortable with, mm-hmm. like, the performance, the performance aspect of a ceremonial or a structured ritual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love I, both. I love the fact that it works so great for so many people. Mm-hmm. I, I bemoan the fact that the more spontaneous stuff is hard to find. Disagree, because I see spontaneous rituals happening at major events all the time. Okay, that's <laughs> not what I mean. I mean, like, not at major events. I'm saying at, like, you're less likely to find a monthly event where you go do something spontaneous. Mm, that's probably true. It's harder yeah. to find that community unless you stumble across it in the moment, and that's then it's true. wonderful. Lore says, the most intense religious experience I've ever experienced wasn't even on purpose. I was at a music festival and the weather shifted and the lyrics to the song kind of hit me and I was like, holy shit, and nothing intentional I've ever tried has matched that. Mm. Yes, I agree with that 100%. I had this really like spiritual experience at, a, at again at a concert. Had this weird moment where I was standing like right in front of the amps. Mm-hmm. So like my bones were fucking vibrating oh, I've had that experience with this before. music. Oh, yeah. And bad I, for the years, but good for the everything oh else. God, yeah. I hit this like weird mental state where like I could just feel everybody else in the room mm-hmm. and I could feel us all in the same kind of space. And it was wonderful. And I'm constantly trying to like chase that feeling. That experience. Yeah. Um, I think concerts have that effect in general because I've had that kind of experience at a concert. I think mm-hmm. it's the mass collective focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, see- and there's so many people that yeah. it's possible to be anonymous. Like I can be anonymous in a concert venue where I can't be 
in like a, a ritual. Yeah. yeah, you see that in con- in contemporary worship services mm-hmm. at churches uh-huh. all the damn time, where they're just vibing with the beat and with the repetitiveness of the chorus. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You enter. You know? It's a it's a trance it's experience. A trans basically, experience. Actually, yeah, absolutely. Me chasing that type of experience is actually kind of why I got into the field that I'm in. So I'm not really sure how to... Which is which is anthropology. Yeah, anthropology and documentary filmmaking. I also do photography in that same field. So when I was doing my master's thesis, I was in Belfast, Northern Ireland, tromping through back streets in the rain, mm-hmm. tiny, tiny, narrow little streets because they're, you know, from... From a thousand years ago. A thousand ago. years ago. And I just stumbled around a corner and hit like this beautiful like wall-sized mural Mm -hmm. and it was it was the rain and the feeling and the cold and the isolation and this beautiful thing hidden in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and it was just this very spiritual experience for me Mm -hmm. part of the reason why i do what i do because not everybody has a chance to go hunt those down i think we've all had those experiences Mm -hmm. in whatever context you have them in of that spiritual experience which which has gotten us a little bit off track i don't even remember how we got on this topic i don't either so i I guess we were talking about sort of what our practice looks like. Yeah. What do you want your practice to look like in the future? Like, what are your your dreams and goals? It's really, I've been thinking about that, obviously, since I knew we were going to be talking about this. And I'm, I've been, these last two years, as everybody has said and knows, is it has been rough. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I've stepped away in some aspects Mm -hmm. but yet I follow my intuition and I know like if I need to do a spell I know what to do I can go to my deities and but it's not like a daily daily practice and so I feel like I would like to get back into that more focused Mm -hmm. both in that daily ritual or that relational aspect of my practice with my deities Hecate in particular and Hera. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get more into that devotional aspect, but I'd also like to just practice magic. Mm-hmm. I'd like to just practice my witchcraft in a way that I've just kind of stepped away from. I haven't felt creative. Mm-hmm. I haven't felt like I, I feel like I've been operating on no spoons for like a long time now. Mm-hmm. And I want to find the spoons. I want to gather my power back. So and and gather that back that sovereignty yeah. that we've I've talked with you guys about, but also just that just that desire to craft. Jackson, what are your plans? So my my general plans are to do a bit more in depth research. I operate really heavily on vibes, which means occasionally I don't bother doing the the like historical research because what I do maintains well enough. Mm-hmm. So I want to get a little bit more of that historical background and all these things. Get, um, get a little more of the academic context. Yeah, yeah. Um, Apply your master's degree. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, what I'm doing works well for me now, but, like, I can always improve. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, it's the past two and a half upcoming to be three years mm-hmm. has been a very uh, contemplative time for me mm-hmm. because I've been out of school this is the longest time I've been out of school in your since uh, ever kindergarten. Yeah, ever, yeah. ever uh, in your life. <laughs> yeah, ever in my life. Three years out of school is the longest I've ever been out of school for since I started. So it's given me a lot of time for figuring out what I do and what I like and, and how to manage my time. And I'm going back to school next September and I need to figure out how to maintain this. Mm-hmm while still doing what I love to do. It's right. this 
finding time to do that balancing act. Mm -hmm. I was not particularly happy about having to take three years off, but it was probably the best thing that could have happened. Right. Especially that sort of reset. Yeah, I needed Mm -hmm. the reset. And I have the benefit of working in a metaphysical store, which led me to a very like four days a week. I go in and And think about witchy stuff. Think about witchy stuff and talk about witchy stuff and do witchy stuff. Um, and on the days that I'm not at work, I'm still thinking about witchy mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it really opened my mind on what I can do daily. Mm-hmm. Now I just need to take those lessons with me yeah. back yeah. into, into back plan. into my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This has been an interesting pit stop. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, like a rest stop on your, on your journey. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, loved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I loved, I've I've loved seeing you guys and mm-hmm. being able to do holiday stuff together and all these things. Like it's been fantastic. I'm just ready to start my path again. Absolutely. I just need to figure out how to take these lessons with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. And I good luck to you because I know a PhD is a that's big a lot of work. Oh yeah. Time so and energy. <laughs> I am automatic. I'm going to be scheduling and relaxation time. Maybe good, I will also good. schedule in witchy, witchy time. time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good plan. Mm, good plan. I think uh, I actually want to, it's been good for me definitely to step away from that really um, intense period that I was in for the first few years of my practice. Mm-hmm. I needed to learn that I could still be engaged with my practice and, and not like lose my relationship with my gods. Uh, or my ancestors by stepping away a little bit and taking a little bit of time for myself again. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I've been reading through my old books and like I used to meditate every single day. Mm-hmm. Every day I would meditate, I would draw runes, I would study, and I sort of miss that. Mm-hmm. I miss the, not even the structure of it necessarily. I just miss the the steadiness of it. There's a yeah. comfort there. There is. In, in having a regular meditation practice, even in having a regular research practice, that I think I miss now that I've been away from it for a while. So I think uh, moving forward, I want to I want to start daily meditations again. Because mm-hmm. I've been doing like intermittent meditations and I've been every week or so, I, I like lay something out for my ancestors mm-hmm. and as necessary, I'll do a piece of magic or whatever, or I'll do a reading for myself. But I think I want to reintroduce not to the extent that I did when I first started. be a little more intentional. But yeah, be a little more intentional again about how I engage with my practice. Yeah. Now now that I've learned I don't have to be all or nothing. Right, right. Well, it's like the other day uh, you guys saw me. I, I was doing a, a ritual mm-hmm. for Hecate on the dark moon. And it had been a long time, I realized, since I'd done that. Mm-hmm. So I did the full bore. I the, mean, the I everything. took the cleansing shower. <laughs> I put on the black the dress. Ritual wear. The ritual wear. The ritual. I veiled. Mm-hmm. And it was very meaningful to me. And it was like, okay, I need to step back into, into that. Into this, yeah. I yeah. need to step back into this because it was, I didn't take long, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. I it think w- it was very meaningful. Something I did learn from stepping away from my practice for a while, or not even stepping away, like stepping back, stepping back in yeah, my practice, yeah. was that my rituals and my practice and my meditations and all those things don't have to be as intense. Right. They don't have to be like full bore, the biggest, most dramatic production I can make them. Mm-hmm. But I do think it would it would be good for me to get back to having them with regularity. Yeah. I think yeah. something to keep in mind, especially when you're trying to find balance and having uh, too aggressive of a practice is mm-hmm. making sure you leave a room for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And 
on that other side. Now I'm the one who is as a little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> on the other side of things, that's sort of including ritual into your day-to-day or like doing them more consistently. Something that I ran across for, for me, this will be really helpful, is um, making a small piece of witchcraft part of your morning routine. Yeah, tying like, it into something else you have to do. Like a shower or like drinking a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. You can stir your coffee with your intention for the day as you drink it, that kind of thing. Like we talked about in our potions episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's little steps, man. Sometimes it's baby steps to get back into what you feel called to do. I will say the podcast has definitely helped me stay focused sometimes because definitely mm-hmm. sometimes like the focus of my week is whatever we're doing the podcast on. Yep. yep. <laughs> and like that becomes the thing that my my practice is focused around for that week. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I do I have a really hard time forming habits for some reason. I don't know why that is. It's just a real struggle for me. Like it's supposed to take it's supposed to take like three weeks or something to form a habit. I've never successfully formed a habit in three weeks. Uh, same hat. I'm pretty sure it's genetic. Yeah, I can't. I just I don't. It, habits don't work. So I have to like set myself an alarm, and I will need the alarm forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's never going to be habitual. That's I think why I struggle sometimes with the the uniformity or the regularity of mm-hmm. of a practice. So something that has helped me is you don't have one thing you do every day. You have six or seven things you could do that day. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, and like, if you notice yourself drinking a cup of coffee, I guess it's the coffee one today. Mm-hmm. You notice yourself doing this. I go, I guess it's this one today. And then right. you have and then like it's a rotation. Not like, you can and then it's from. not like, oh, I failed to do my thing exactly. for the day. It's just, I did a different thing for the day. And we <laughs> talked about imposter syndrome years ago. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, if you have run out of spoons mm-hmm. or you've, your practice isn't as intense as it was a couple years ago, or, you know, you're trying to find how do I work with deities or how, do, you know, what kind of a practice do I want? Don't be hard on yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think part of why I struggled, especially early on, and why I needed this this backing away period to learn to have a healthier relationship with my religious experience. To reset. Uh-huh. Was that because I was a devoted Christian as mm-hmm. a kid. And Christianity is a very community-reinforced religion. Mm-hmm. Your devotion is community-monitored. Mm-hmm. You will be judged by your community on the level of your devotion, on whether you are performing correctly, on the intensity of your experiences. You will be expected to share them. They will be assessed and then someone will tell you whether you're doing it right. And I think because that was a, a foundational religious experience for me, that really influenced how I started out approaching heathenry, where right. I, I very much thought like there would some at some point be like an external consensus on whether I was doing it right. right. And, and, yeah, it's, and, it's and it's exactly a very cons- like that. It's a very consensus-led religious experience. And you described it perfectly. It's exactly like that. The churches that we attended, mm-hmm. the Sunday schools and the... The uh, discipleship, quote unquote. And I think this influenced me more than I realized at the time. Mm -hmm. We attended a church at one point where they tried to, to teach us to speak in tongues. Right. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was you were too young for this, but, but I was in Sunday school. I was probably seven. And they tried to, like, the gifts of the Spirit were a really big thing in this particular charismatic church mm-hmm. we were in. And they tried to teach us how to speak in tongues and how to interpret tongues that other people were speaking mm-hmm. and how to access these gifts of the Spirit, how to have these direct lines to God. And that, I think, obviously had a huge impact. And, and and then how you performed those gifts was judged by the community. There was a, a consensus would be made on whether you had accomplished it or not. 
And that, I think, necessarily influenced how mm -hmm. I thought about experiences with, with deity and heathenry, where I was like, yeah. well, I've had this experience now. And at some point, once I've reported on it to the appropriate authority, mm -hmm. they'll tell me whether I did it right. And <laughs> I seem to remember, Car, and I left that church. You did, after. but it didn't matter. No, it, it had already been like, exactly. formational experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, what I find somewhat fascinating is that I followed you out of the church about the same time you did. Mm -hmm. But I was, once again, several years younger. Yep. So we had similar but very different experiences because I don't think I ever matured into the church enough to get, like the full blast. Yeah. I was mostly in like children's Sunday school. Yeah. The entire time I was a Christian. Well, and I think I for a long time have sort of underestimated the degree to which growing up in the church and being a devoted Christian influenced. as a child mm -hmm. has influenced my thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Rochelle says, study like there will be a test. And yeah, yes. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Except that the test would be of an internal experience mm -hmm. and the adjudicator would be a priest. <laughs> I, I honestly think that personally the reason why I didn't get as far into Christianity as the rest of my family is I rail really hard against those strict structures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whereas <laughs> I was like fully engaged yeah. as a kid with like, tell me all the Bible stories. Let me digest and, and dissect them and try to like interpret them and understand them that's and what they're supposed to teach me. You were all I was really all devotional. But and because that, that's just like a, a core part of yeah. my personhood. I'm, I am a person with a devotional center. Yeah. And that's how I was as a child, as a teenager, as an adult. Mm -hmm. The issue I had was that I was having other experiences mm -hmm. that had me questioning things, but I didn't have the tenacity or the, the courage to leave at the time when you guys did. Right. When I got to like 12 or 13 yeah. and I was like, oh, this doesn't align this with doesn't, my values. Yeah. So I need to go find something else. Right, right. I just, <laughs> I was that kind of person who was just like, okay, I'm, this I'm is in what, it. I'm in it. This is what's expected of me. Even if it doesn't feel right, I, I make it feel right. Mm -hmm. Well, you also had a, a, a much more elaborate structure around you that we're all in the same religion. Yeah. The environment around you yeah. is different. Yeah. 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 We're back on a trail. Yeah, and we need to wrap this up. Yes, um, I think we've discussed everything that there is to really discuss about this topic, mm -hmm. about, you know, where our paths... Where we were, or how we started. Right, where we're at and how we're, we're going. and how we're going. I And I think we're what I'm hearing all of us say is that while we are in different places, mm -hmm. we all see moving forward in our path. Yeah, time to dig in a little time deeper. Time to dig in a little deeper, and that's definitely how I'm feeling. Yeah. You can find us on Google with the number three and the words pagans and a cat or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. You can find us online at threepagansandacat.com. That's the number three, pagansandacat.com. We have a Patreon that you can join. Gwen has a TikTok. Mm -hmm. that she quite enjoys, and she sometimes blogs on Patheos Pagan. Mm -hmm. And any other things that we do, you can find links to on said website. And, of course, as always, thank you for being listeners. Thank you for being part of the Pride. We yes. love you. Thank you for coming with us on this 2022 this journey. 2022 <laughs> journey. And 2023 is steaming down the in, road in, here, in baby. The, shortly in the future. Shortly in the future. So we look forward to talking to you next year. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>